2: And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry.
0: And I'm Mary Beth.
2: In each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child.
0: This week, our guest is Yutaka Tamanaha. He's one of the co-hosts behind the Horror Hour podcast, which is on podcast networks and YouTube. We hear he's also obsessed with his beard. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Ha ha ha.
3: Thank you. Yes, it's very. Yeah,
2: I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a very majestic beard.
3: I, I mean, I try. I mean, it used to be down to like my half my stomach. So, oh shit, really? Yeah, I How was long going did for that. Take? Living that full Fu Manchu fantasy. <laughs> um,
0: wow.
3: I want to say like maybe it's been a couple times. So like maybe I think the last time was three years, but then I. had to get uh, carpal tunnel surgery, so they're like, you can't blow dry your beard or your hair. I was like, well, that's all got to (laughs) go. Wow. So we're starting fresh.
2: (laughs) Are you going to let it keep growing down that that length again? Oh, yeah,
3: absolutely. Wow. I'm a huge... It gives me something to do, like, when I'm nervous, or not nervous, but when I'm working and I'm trying to think, I'll just be sitting there petting my beard. It's terrible.
2: Uh, (laughs) I get so itchy, and so I just, I just... I stop. I get to the point where like I hate it and then just like and I start over from scratch, but <laughs> But this is not a beard podcast. Let's
3: let's yeah. take it let's take
2: it back <laughs> to the very beginning. How did you get
3: introduced to horror? Well let's see here. I was gosh, I was six years old. Okay. And I probably should not have been watching Alien. It was it was on the TV and I still remember that moment because I was in the living room. My parents, who should have probably been watching me, were in the kitchen cooking chili and rice. And I just could not take my eyes off the screen. Now, granted, yeah, I had nightmares that night. But then ever since then, like, at a very young age, I just started to... I loved being scared. I loved horror films. There are still others that, like, to this day, like, are traumatizing. But I just... I just loved it. And even though um, I hated dressing up for Halloween, so that didn't make any sense. I just wanted the candy. You didn't
2: like dressing up for Halloween?
3: No, it's so much work.
2: Oh, but it was so... Okay, Okay, where did you where, okay, where did you grow up? <laughs> oh, I I got to know. Oh. um St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. Try being a Halloween fanatic in Alaska where you have to put on snow pants, boots, a huge winter ja- winter coat on top of whatever costume you're wearing. Ooh. Then tell me how much work it is and I worked it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I worked okay. it. Okay.
2: Fair enough. Okay. Arctic Maybe. Freddy,
0: <laughs> Freddy Krueger fantasy.
2: Oh, yeah. I oh, was I'm Freddy Krueger many, many years with my little plastic, like, <laughs> almost foam-type hat that they would sell in those kits. And those gloves or the knives would start to, like, bend to the side because they were made out of shitty plastic. Yes. Oh, my
3: God. Yeah. No, I um, dressed up as the Joker a lot because of Batman. Okay. And so all the white makeup, which... Ugh, but I hate glitter of all things. But all mm-hmm. they, all my parents could find was like a very glittery hat. So I had, to, <laughs> oh, it was a mess. Maybe that's why I didn't like dressing up. But eh. I,
2: so okay, Alien at six. I saw Alien at eight, and that terrified me. So I can only imagine. Six years old. Did that? Did that make you want to go seek out more horror films, or was that like? Did you pull back?
3: Oh no! Absolutely. I, I think it was at that time where I just started to really just. Dive right in because, uh, in my neighborhood, like with all, all this group of kids, you know, everything was all about, oh, we want to stay up, we want to watch horror films or just movies you shouldn't be watching. So, um, and most of the time it was horror films, so I just started to gravitate more towards those. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, gosh, right after Alien, probably may- maybe still I was six years old, I saw The Exorcist, which definitely oh, wow. shouldn't have seen. And then I started getting exposed to Halloween, Friday Thirteenth, which was never scary but always really fun. And so, and then eventually, just became like this. I'd always go to the video store, look at the VHS covers, and have to oh, read the no. backs. You know, be- you know. Now we don't have that, but. Back then, it was one of my favorite
2: things to do. Mine too. I, I mean, walking through the blockbuster, the Hollywood video, whatever, what what have you, and looking at those covers, I think is is something that a lot of people miss out on today. It was kind of made movies magical.
3: Oh my god! There's nothing better than <laughs> this. You know, you're just you love film when that's, you know, Friday night, new movies. You just want to go peruse the aisle or the new Uh release wall, which then I eventually ended up working at Hollywood Video because (laughs) of my love of just being able to, you know, be around that.
2: So we had someone on that also worked at Hollywood. Video. I can't remember who it was. And I asked them the same question. But I got to know, did your Hollywood Video make you wear tuxes?
3: (laughs) No. um, When I started working there, oh, God, they had this awful blue denim shirt that we all had to wear it was horrendous and they're like oh but you gotta wear black slacks i go this is horrible who would
2: do that (laughs) i'll go uh wow wow i i I just had to ask because like when hollywood video moved in and i don't know maybe they were trying to differentiate themselves from blockbuster but like everyone was wearing like basically up to the nine suit and, and, like, I believe it was a bow tie, from what I remember. Like, just mm-hmm. completely up to the nines. And I'm like, these people are not getting paid enough
1: to be <laughs>
0: we dressing weren't. in a
2: fucking tux. Absolutely
0: <laughs> fucking literally not. Was anyone getting paid enough to dress like that? The
2: tux probably cost more than their salary. <laughs> oh my gosh,
3: it's, it's funny, because, I mean, I just look back and I think, I remember how much I made. I'll go, it wasn't worth it. Well, mm. actually, okay, hold on. The free rentals, that's really... Where everything was worth it. That's true. Yeah.
0: That's very, very, And when true. you had
3: physical screeners. Well, I guess they still do those sometimes. But back then, we would get those in. They're like, you can take these home. You can't sell it. You can't record it. Like, okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> so cool. So, so you watched Alien. You talked about the exorcist. But what were some other favorites of yours growing up in horror? In horror?
3: I mean... Obviously, I mean, anything Nightmare on Elm Street, I I grew up loving just because Freddy's so charismatic. Um, I loved the Halloween series just because Michael was terrifying. Mm. Um, But I really also just enjoyed a lot of those, um, oh God, like Night of the Demons.
0: Okay. That is
3: just so good. And I did enjoy some of the campier films, but... I gravitated more towards gore mm. growing up. It was just, Ooh. I love, and so I still miss how, uh, like, really good practical effects, because I feel like we've somewhat moved away from them. And I was arguing with somebody about how great Hellraiser was. Like, that's terrible. I go, for
2: the 80s? That was beautiful. Oh, it was stunning.
3: Stunning. I still, so, think,
0: it's, I still think it's stunning. Oh, though, it, it, it is. I <laughs> mean. Mm
3: but yeah i i really i'm a gore hound i i still won't watch anything but i
2: just love seeing gore i did too that as a kid especially growing up in like the 80s that is what i i i sought like the the things that were looked gnarly or goopy yeah. or gory like those were the things that definitely as a kid attracted me to it
3: <laughs> <laughs> i will say um I love The Thing, but it's something I can only watch every few years only because I own Huskies. And so it's just oh. so hard to watch. Like, that's the one thing I'm like, oh, I can't watch that.
0: Okay. But it's you have such Husky. a good film. Can you know, I tell you a dog story about The Thing really quick? This is like, <laughs> so obviously The Thing is like one of my all time favorite movies. Mm-hmm. The first time I watched it, I watched it um, with my stepdad and my now fiance a, a while ago. And, you know... Watched it. Great. Incredible time. 10 out of 10. Go upstairs to bed. Our dog, Fern, who never follows me really to bed, jumps into bed with me and then just sits and stares directly at me. Like, not 10 minutes after the movie was over, this bitch followed me and sat on the bed and stared at me. And she never does that. And I was like, it's over. It's it's over. Um. So I get it. I get I it. Even though she wasn't a husky,
3: I understand. <laughs> she's like, how dare you fucking watch that film? That's, I love that. Ooh. Oh my gosh. I wish my husky would like do that, but she's just too busy being, she's a diva. So I'm like, okay. Well, thanks. <laughs> I feel What's like most name? huskies are. Uh, her name's Yuki. Um, oh. She is very, uh, uh, if, if it's not about her, she doesn't care. So everybody <laughs> loves her at the uh, kennel. I'm like, oh my God. But,
2: you know, I spoil her, so it's okay. <laughs> I love huskies. Uh, even though I'm not really a dog person, I love huskies. They're so cute. Their hair just gets everywhere. That's, like,
3: I was so glad when I was like, oh, you're, we're on camera so we can see each other. But I was like, oh, thank God, because I'm like, I got husky hair. And I was so excited to wear the shirt. Yeah. And, uh,
2: but I was just like, Ooh. He's wearing the, uh, the Pride shirt from Mixtape and Me from this year. And I love it. It makes me it's, happy. Oh, it's so good. Freddie does great designs, I just got to
3: say. I, I loved the um, rated R for violence, or I woke up in Joe's violence. I was like, mm. I'm going to buy a couple of those. That's great. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, okay, so as an adult, I know that you said you kind of sought out, like, gory horror films. That, that sounds like it's still true today. Oh, yeah. So what are some that you've seen as an adult that you've really enjoyed?
3: <sighs> well... We went hard. Well, I, I really did just because, um, I will say as, as an adult, um, you're just, I would say you're very used to seeing, like, when you, when I watch horror films, I feel like, oh, I, I might see there already the already scare or, I might see i i can maybe predict what they're going to do mm-hmm. uh, but vhs 94 just for some reason watching the hail ratma sequence hail, ratma. hail terrified oh the God. absolute shit out of me and then the rest of the, and then, of course, empty wake, everything. And so I enjoyed that. I was like, man, maybe maybe I want to start watching more or films for me that just felt intense. And so like I just saw Resurrection and I mm. oh my God, and watch her. I'm just really looking for something that um I can just kind of just surrender to and like really like get my blood pressure pumping. So I've been trying to gravitate towards more of that. Um, okay. So, would like to see more gore, but I just lately, I just, I really want to get that. You know, I'm getting older, so let's let's just, yeah, let's test this heart. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Okay. I love
3: that. <laughs> Look, I mean, it's enjoyable when you're scared. I think that's supposed to give off like endorphins. I don't know, but there you go. I'll tell you what, I think I. What was the other one that I, it's still to this day, even as I, um, I would say The Descent is one that will still like, but when I watch it though, it's got to be in a dark room because I need to feel mm. like I'm there. Um, and if I really want to be stupid with myself, I'll watch it on the laptop and then lay down and put that on my chest. So it's like right there in my face. So I really get into it. That's that. Hell that. yeah. That's just a bad idea, but it's fun.
2: (laughs) Okay, so because you said that you're now looking for things that are going to make your heart stop, what is the last movie? You may be answered with VHS ninety four, but what is the last movie that like really terrorized you?
3: Um. Okay, so this one terrorized me on a different level versus. uh, I recently, I remember I watched it at Sundance, and it was Master, and that was a different type of horror to me in terror. And I remember just not knowing about it, but I was like, okay, it sounds interesting. Everybody's talking about it. And as soon as I start watching, it took me back to where I felt like I was back in college. And as soon as I saw like those microaggressions and everything else, I was like, oh my God. Like it like really, it just shook me. Like Mm. after we finished watching it, I was like, I sat by myself for like maybe 15 minutes. It's like, I was like, I need to get my shit together because that wrecked me. And I'm like, oh, wow. Damn. I was like, I just like true story is uh, when I was in college and at the time I thought it was funny, even though I should have recognized like that's that's not cool. But like my nickname was Jaundice because I was technically yellow, in a sense, oh. like, being Asian, and I didn't, like, realize how I was like, oh, that's actually, that's kind of offensive. I probably shouldn't have uh, been yeah. okay with that. But back then, in school, you want to yeah. be light, you're in college, you're fresh, you know, you, you're at, yeah. you you want to be accepted, and so I was like, I accepted those things. And so watching that movie just made me remember all this stuff, I was like, damn. I was like, that hit on another level Oof. that I wasn't expecting, I was like... I was like, well, I was going to watch more horror films tonight, but I was like, I think I'm done (laughs) for the night.
2: Uh, I mean, understandable.
3: Yeah, I was just like,
2: I was like, well, okay.
0: Wow.
3: I I was so excited to get to watch something at Sundance, but I was like, "Mm, all right. Wow. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to bring that mood down, but it it was such an effective film that I just, like, I was like, I was so impressed because I wasn't expecting to be scared in that sense, but yeah, it just brought back so much. I was like, I'm, I, and I was like, kudos to, to the writer and director. I was like, that? I was like, that? Yeah. I was like, I really enjoyed it. And I was
2: also like,
3: well, I'm glad I'm not friends with those people anymore.
2: Yeah, <laughs> me Jesus. too. Jesus. <laughs> oh uh, what would be like, what would you consider to be your, your favorite horror movie as an adult? As an adult?
3: Uh-huh.
2: Okay. Well, shit.
3: That, that puts me on the spot. You yeah. know what? I, okay. Well, I, when I think of something that I really enjoyed, something that could, has this like high rewatch factor, I could maybe fall asleep to it or, um, so, okay. Maybe there are actually two. Okay. Because one got me through the pandemic. So mm. I'm going to go with your Next because there's okay. very few horror films that take place in Missouri. So I'm all about mm. that. So, like, sure. And, yeah, I I'm, I love that film just because uh, also, Aaron's just a badass and we need more of that. And I just, I, I what was the line? She's like, no, you can't go in the basement because then they'll just pour gasoline to light a match. And you're
2: like, who is this bitch? Okay. What, what I love about that movie is how it changes genre when you watch it again. Like the first time you watch it, you're like, think this is like a scary home invasion movie. And Mm -hmm. then you watch it again. It's like a, a dark comedy. And then you watch it again. it's like, these motherfuckers are inept as fuck. And it becomes (laughs) like a, you know, a a dumb home invasion comedy. Like I just, every time I watch it, I am struck by something completely different, a different tone. I love
3: it. (laughs) Um and then the other one uh just like I said it got me through the pandemic and I guess it's a TV movie but it was part of the Blumhouse Into the Dark series and it was the um the one My Valentine um just because of the mental health themes but also the soundtrack is such a banger that I can listen to it on repeat and so it just hits all the right notes for me so Which one was
2: that? Uh, I'm trying to think.
3: Uh with uh, what was I've it? I've seen a lot um, of them. She's the uh, the two, I guess, pop stars. Well, there's Treasure oh. and then there's the real Valentine. Mm-hmm. And then it's just about um, her previous past toxic relationship, but also her taking back her identity, finally going out again, performing live. And I just yeah. loved that vibe. But also when it got into, like, the mental health themes, which I know we'll talk about, I'm very passionate about mental health. So I really start, I, I will say, regardless, even at a young age or even now as an adult, I gravitate towards those films when they either put it in a good light or at least give it re- where it doesn't come off as uh, exploitative. Yes, thank mm-hmm. you. So I, I really gravitate towards those a lot.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. So. Um, so
2: oh, no, go ahead.
0: I was just going to ask about your podcast. Me too. <laughs> and can you hear oh. a little bit more about your podcast? <laughs> well, it's, One it's
3: changed over uh, the course of that. We've been around for a little over a year and that um, I think we lucked out because, again, we we do reviews, which I, I feel that I'm skeptical because I, I get nervous having other people be like, that's a shit review. I'm like, oh man. Um, but we do interviews and I really enjoy that. And then the other thing is we do just like to argue with each other. (laughs) And uh, so we get real like gutted and rotted. And the thing is none of us have ever met.
2: Um, we're oh, from wow, all okay. over. Yeah. Yeah. Like you we... have people across the <laughs> sea, right? Like <laughs> We
1: connected in the UK? during
3: COVID. We all followed a certain YouTuber who is problematic, so we'll leave that person out. But um so we all, like, we all watched them, and um so we ended up just forming, like, a group chat, and then suddenly um a couple of them, <laughs> we have our, our little chat that says, um, horror homos, and like, hey, do you just want to form... Um, a podcast, let go and talk about horror. Sure. And then I'm like, oh, let's think of names. And I'm like, well, you can't do that. Cause that's used. It's like, you can't do that. <laughs> that's used. So it's like, well, we'll just go with whatever. Um, but yeah, we, there are two in the UK, one in Ireland, uh, two in wow. New York. And then, um, and then we just had people from all over. Uh, and then I think people started to notice this, I think during Dragula coverage, cause I love drag mm-hmm. and we've got two things horror and drag like sign me the fuck up like i oof. and then yeah we just started kind of going the more of the the arguing route because um what you'll learn is we're all of different age so um the younger ones think horror might have started after like the 2000s i'm like no no there's a lot <laughs> oh, of great shit you're missing girl. out on like, we just had um, George finally watch Slumber Party Massacre.
2: I mean, okay, to be fair, I only watched it last last year when the remake came out. What?
3: Yeah. I haven't
2: Although, seen the sequel, which I hear is great.
3: Oh, my Oh my God. There's such a good gross-out scene in the sequel, too. Haven't if, seen it. If you it. don't like uh, Puss, maybe maybe oh. skip that one. But it's one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> and it's got the girl from, um, if you remember the sh- sitcom Wings... But yeah, I, and so I love a lot of, like, I grew up on eight seventies and eighties horror. I, I, you know, really, you know, I love nineties horror and even horror nowadays, but I, I chuckle because yeah, we're all at, I think George's favorite movie of all time is Paranormal Activity. I'm like, well, that's great. I, I, I guess that's, that's not for me, but okay. Well, yeah. So I, I love it. That's that's really what it is, and it's it's a good time. Hell We're yeah. all a mess. That's that's probably it's a great outlet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And it's and it's on. You have it on YouTube. Is it is it the same? Is it on YouTube? And then you also have the audio on, on podcasts? podcast. Is that yes. how... yes?
3: Um, so we film everything for YouTube, and then but we put it on Spotify and Apple. And I will say. You know, just putting anything out there on social media is so nerve wracking. So when I listen to other podcasts or I see people like put themselves out there, I'm like, how do you all do it? So I even still like to this day, I'm like, ah, like I second guess things. And I like, oh, I'm going to my first film festival of as press was very nerve-wracking and people were like, you just need to go up to other people and talk. I go, I don't know what to say. Like,
2: oh i'm <laughs> i'm too introverted to do that
3: and thank god like this movie theater had a bar in it and i looked over and somebody had an artist pass and i quickly read their name like oh shit i love their movie and i'm actually about to go see it i can easily do something here and like start struck up a conversation and i was like oh okay well there was my one big task for the day i feel accomplished
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> uh... so
3: yeah it's I our, it's fun uh, but I I would say out of even all of that I think my favorite things are when we do get to interview um filmmakers uh just because I think that's it's a world that I've never got to be a part of and it's just nice to be able to just sit and chill. I What's
0: been your that. favorite interview?
3: Oh, that's putting me on the spot. Okay. yeah. Well, that's what we do here. <laughs> I would have to say um Oh damn! Okay. <laughs> oh, it's tied. I'm 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 gonna pull that. Uh, okay. So we did get to do a panel with uh, my Valentine. Like every, I will be honest, everything's happened via DMs sometimes. Um, but we had the writer director, we had Britt Baron, um, and then we had the composers of the soundtrack come on, and we just talked about the film and we had a, like a round table discussion. Oh wow. Um, and so that is very meaningful just because it happened like right, you know, I mean, gosh, I'm trying to think of lockdown, if we're still in that, but it was also the first time they all had been able to see each other, even if just via zoom. So oh, it was like, it was really cool. cool. Oh wow! And then the other one I would have to say, because uh, it's a fellow Japanese uh, you know, individual, and so I just kind of, you know, growing up, I never really... It would have to be... or Well, I'm sorry. I take that back, even though that's one, but it would have to be actually the cast of They Them, even though that's a very polarizing movie right now.
2: It really is.
3: Um, but... I will say in my almost 39 years, I have never been able to see myself represented on screen. And so to see a queer Asian American mm-hmm. um, portray that uh, is something that I, like that just, it warmed my heart. And I probably almost cried during the interview mm-hmm. um, as I was, you know, speaking with them. So that I would yeah. say those two. That's I, mean, I do love them all. Uh, even the ones... The one with um, Christina Leese and oh, I can't remember his name. They're gonna kill me from Chucky, too. Alex Vincent, um, because she said the C word like 37 times, and that was a good moment. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's a term of endearment overseas, and but yeah. I told, I was like, Ben, you cannot say that word. And she let it slip, and I was like, oh my God, I told Ben he couldn't say that. And she's like, what? And just rants it off, and I'm like, oh. Like, this will be an interesting experience. It was. It's a lot of fun. I I think that's,
0: yeah. That's amazing. Well, okay. (laughs) about we've talked about your horror history and your podcast, but what movie did you bring with you today for us to discuss? It's a
3: good one. I brought Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors.
0: Woo! All right, let me read a brief synopsis in the middle of the night. Insert right Doken music ones. here.
3: <laughs> oh, yes. oh my god, that music video. <laughs>
0: um, a psychiatrist familiar with knife-wielding dream demon Freddy Krueger helps teens at a mental hospital battle the killer who is invading their dreams.
2: Thanks, IMDb.
0: Thanks, IMDb.
2: <laughs> I swear, some, sometimes their uh, synopsis are just like, they make me laugh. They're just, who wrote them? Who wrote, who phrased it that way, with a psychiatrist familiar (laughs) with knife-wielding dream demon Freddy Krueger? Like, who wrote that? Somebody
3: who's not watched the film. Well,
2: Well, and also doesn't want to, like, spoil it. Oh, there's a spoiler. It's it's Nancy, (laughs) the psychiatrist. Like, (laughs) Like, anyway. That's the big
3: thing. I'd be like, Nancy Returns. Like, what? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Anyway, IMDB aside, (laughs) take us back to the very beginning. How did you see this movie? When did you see it? Why is this your scarred for life choice? Give us your horror story.
3: Okay, so I know, gosh, it was before the 90s, so I was probably, I would say, I think I was around seven years old. See? watch this stuff when I was young. Um, And at the, you know, it's funny because I saw this before I saw the original Nightmare on Elm Street. So I didn't know, um, you know, the Freddy lore or anything, yeah. let alone that it's, I'm now watching a film where this man attacks you in your dreams. There's nothing you can do about it, especially when you, you know, as you see through the course of the film with some of the um, characters. Uh, I'm like, well, I can't fucking go to sleep after this. He's going to come get me. This is terrible. And then on top of that, you know, as as I'm watching this, if there's one thing that really terrifies me in life, it's not that I'm claustrophobic, but it's still being in a place to where you can still move, walk around, but you're still blocked in. If, mm-hmm. like, like, you, like, technically during the pandemic, we really couldn't leave our houses in a sense at times. And so that, like, just, oh, that, and so seeing all of these kids within, um, you know, a mental institute well at a psychiatric facility and the fact that, you know, they're behind these locked doors, they can't get out. Meanwhile, now one thing that they can't even they can't even run or do anything, and now you've just got nothing but your dreams. Like when they put Kincaid in the quiet room, I was just like, Nope, nope, not having this. Don't want this. <laughs> I I can't. And then You know, something that even creeped me out because I was still not like, you know, I I love Alien, but when Freddy comes up out of the ground and swallows her, even Mm. though now I watch it as an adult, I'm like, this is slightly sexual, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) At the time as a kid, I didn't get that context, I guess. Um, But I was like, oh my God, this is, I was like, oh my God, great. He's going to attack me in my dreams. I don't know what he's going to do. He's clearly going to, there was just so much in that film that terrified me and just was like an assault on my senses because then you also kind of have the comedy. So it feels like it's luring you in Mm -hmm. like this. Okay, this is a safe film. And then, nope, he he smashes your head into a television. I was like, well, shit. Welcome to prime time,
2: bitch. (laughs) (laughs) iconic line
3: it is and honestly it's funny because as as i watch this and this film freaked me out so much as a kid i didn't realize you know how much of a drastic change it was from the original in a sense and so then when i saw that i go well this is a whole nother film what but i mean freddy's freddy he's so charismatic that you know man there's just there's a lot about his character that i love But that third one, just, ah, like, the other thing, when you're a kid or a teenager and you are struggling clearly with something and none of the adults gave two shits or even cared to listen, granted, yes, it's fantastical in a sense of what's happening, but it's just like, me as a kid, I'm like, well, shit, I'm thinking, well, if this does happen, they're not going to believe me or I'll get that you should not have been watching that. So it's like, well,
2: yeah, I think that's one of the things that uh, these films, um, particularly like the first, uh, I would say four do really well is pit the kids against the parents in a Mm -hmm. a way that it's like you realize that the people that are supposed to protect you, whether that's your parents, whether that's the psychiatric facility that that you're at trying to get help at, regardless of what it's going to be. Teachers, it doesn't matter. These people are going to fail you. Cops, even. I mean, even the first one, and in this one, too, yep. to, to some degree. Cops, everyone is going to fail you, and you are on your own because no one's going to believe you. It's the kind of the message of this film, of these films. Uh, yeah,
3: and so you know, even, <laughs> gosh, even at the end, I'm, even at the end, I still felt somewhat helpless because mm. you know, I was just like, well, I looked at, it, I was like, some of you survived. But at what cost? I mean, yeah. you're still going to be messed up with the fact of... You can't... Sure, you may have defeated the demon, but I, I looked at it and I was like, you are going to have so much sleep deprivation. Like, there was just... And so for me as a kid, I'm like... Like, I had nightmares. Which is funny, because now as an adult, I love them. Mm-hmm. Don't ask. But as a kid, obviously, <laughs> I'm like, what are you going to do?
2: So... I mean, you, you, so you brought up the... Uh... You know, that they're going to be kind of fucked by the end of the movie, regardless of <laughs> yeah. if they survive or not. And I think that's something this movie does incredibly well, because at this point, Nancy is broken. She's t- she's having to take these hypnocil oh, so that she yes. has dreamless sleep. She's becoming a psychiatrist to try to understand this kind of stuff and help other people deal with it because she knows that Freddie's still there. Her father has picked up where her mother left off when she died and is like drinking himself into oblivion, trying to forget and cover up the guilt of what happened. All these teens are, before they even get into the mental, before they even, the movie starts, they are pretty much, you know, they're broken. They're trying to pick up the pieces and fix themselves. By the end of this movie, yeah, yeah. They're going to escape Freddy. And we know that that none of them actually do escape Freddy in the, in the sequel. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> but like, even if that weren't to happen, and this was the end of that story for them, they're still just going to be as broken as as Nancy and, and her father were from the first movie.
3: Mm-hmm. And, oh my God, Kristen's mom. Can we talk about a
2: piece of work? Andale, delay Oh, <laughs> yeah. Kudos oh, to her just... for teaching me a Spanish word at, when <laughs> yeah. I was, like, eight years old. But, like, fuck you, lady.
3: Oh, um, And her voice was so grating. And, it, it like, the lack of... Like, when she's sitting there, and she's telling them, you know, her... Telling the staff her daughter's issues and just, like, blowing everything off. I'm like, who... What? You... You technically walked in on your daughter, and she's got a razor blade, and mm. um, she's technically, in a sense, looks like she slid her wrist. I'm like, and you are just, you don't care. What? Mm-mm.
0: But I also like, with this, with, like, the introduction of Kristen, you feel like she's set up as the final girl, and she is to an extent. You have, and you mm-hmm. have, like, well, now well-known actress playing Kristen, whose name I just fucking forgot. What the oh, hell? shark Patricia Arquette. Patricia Char- Arquette. Arquette. What the hell? Patricia Arquette is playing her. And so, you know, she's set up as this main character, similar to Nancy, but then it becomes a group movie. And it's so much more about kids coming together rather than the mm-hmm. journey of one individual, which um I remember I was doing some research about this when we were talking and Wes Craven actually wanted to make sure that, like, to transition this into... Not just a single person fighting back against Freddy, but a whole group because Freddy has gotten more powerful, which Mm is really interesting. It's really interesting to read about the idea for this, but it also makes it so much more interesting. I feel like we just get so much more into these characters' heads and there's more. Depth to the characters. They're not as tropey, I think, as you mm-hmm. see. I love Night on Elm Street. I love Nancy. This is not knocking that movie whatsoever. But <laughs> this one evolves a lot into doing something new, which is what I mean. Craven is so good at doing that and taking a story and like moving it into a new form that's recognizable but also stands alone or like is unique in a way. And I think. That's one of the reasons why I love this movie so much. And it's also so fucking heartbreaking, because you get to know these characters much better, as much as you can, and mm-hmm. get into their heads and really understand where they're coming from as, like, you know, hurting kids, hurting young adults who are just trying to grow up. And it's just so much more tragic, I guess.
3: You know, and the... <sighs> Um. why can I not oh there. okay so Taryn let's talk about mm. the fact that this film also you know brings in addiction and the way she's killed is just so like oh, I still see fuck. that I'm like it's so gut wrenching the needle because, marks
2: that are sucking and trying to like get the needle is yeah.
3: just
2: so upsetting
0: it's so fucked up <laughs> like I
3: I don't know like, what the fuck Like, it's interesting, because I still, like, I just rewatched this a couple times this week, actually. um, (laughs) Because I I do, I really enjoy this film. And even though I know these certain characters are going to die, it still, like, breaks my heart, because I never want that. This, you know, there are certain slashers, and I have to say this was one of them where I just hated seeing the characters go. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think as a kid, like, that... You know, I didn't realize who Nancy was at the time when I first watched this, but now it's it's definitely – it hits every time because I'm like, I don't want
2: Nancy to go. Right. With with Taryn, though, the, I, I think those – the needle marks on her arms is such a perfect visual representation for addiction because it's like you you don't have it. You're trying to abstain from it. You're trying to get away from it, but there's still that, that feeling of need in your body. And the mm-hmm. way that those things are like, yes, give it to me, give it to me, is just – it's so upsetting, but it's also, I think, a fantastic visual metaphor for the the I think inner struggle that she's probably going through, uh, her entire life potentially. Well, I mean, she dies unfortunately, but <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. My,
3: well, and they even there's that you know she's trying to just make bot make it through while she's in there, and even that one orderly is like, hey, I've got the good stuff, oh, and she's like, I'm that, just trying dude. to I'm like, I'm like, oh, like there's just so many things as it as I'm older, I'm like, wow, they really hit the nail on the head with some of this stuff, because also, you know, if you think about back then, too, like those facilities were not the best, just in no. terms of um with staff and since and how, you know, individuals were cared for, and so it, I just find it very fascinating to watch back then, and, you know, just think about it, and so <laughs> my first thought as a kid watching this is like, where are they? I'm thinking it's a hospital. They should be helping these, you know, these kids, you know, and I'm just like, what? And again, it goes back to everybody in their life failing them except, you know, their peers. Well, and I I
0: will say, like, I have had friends who have spent time in facilities like this even recently, and this experience isn't that far off from what people still experience in these places now either. Like, yeah, their 80s are known for- you know, not having the best treatment, but people are still treated like absolute shit in these facilities too. So, watching, I watched this for the first time. Uh, the summer of 2020, I watched all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies for the first time. To- I saw the, first, the first one, I went through the whole series for mm-hmm. the first time. And I watched this one and. I like the second one, but it's obviously very silly. And then this one kind of, like, took me by surprise because it's so much more, I think, emotionally intense in terms of how Mm -hmm. it looks at the issues that kids and young people go through. And, you know, what these inner inner fights look like and how no one has resources to really – like, they're not given – they're not given the resources because they're not taken seriously as kids and as young people. And mental illness is not taken seriously. And it's just mm-hmm. like, Jesus Christ. And then going off of that with Nancy, who... And this is the end. It was a movie. I was like, I'm so glad I've seen this. Because I people are always like thinking, like, oh, there's finally Final Girls, like, getting their revenge as they're older now. And a portrayal of Final Girl trauma. But we've had it the whole time in, like, movies like this. Um, <laughs> but... And, like, how fucking hard it is to get better i mean obviously it's about freddie but it just reminds me of how you grew up with a mental illness and learn how to just live with it rather than like being able to fully defeat it
3: or in you know nancy's case had to be medicated with you know a drug that technically was very still experimental in the Mm -hmm. film you know and so Mm -hmm. i you know i've you know myself have spent time you know at a at a facility, well, at a hospital within their ward. And, uh, you know, growing up, I would say, you know, I was just, I was a teenager at the time. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting because, yes, I would certainly say this has some, um, you know, it feels real. Um, I would like to think now things have progressed, even though we, we do hear horror stories. And so I, I, and I look back because I'm like, wow, that still as the tone or as it was be you know, representing, um, these kids in that, that scenario, I was like, that feels very authentic and real, even though we still have this, this demon, this creature in a sense, which is not real, but I, I really just, Yeah there's something that Wes really did with this film that it just really sits, you know, it freaked me out as a kid, but now as an adult, it just really sits there with me because it's just, it's one of the thing. it's one of the reasons why I love Wes Craven, but um, it's definitely just a film that I feel just has really just sat with
2: me <laughs> throughout my life. So, so you said that you saw this before you saw the first one and, mm-hmm. um, I think that's, that's interesting because I, I do think when you, so I grew up, I, I saw this in the, I saw this one in the eighties. Uh, when did it come out? It was 80, 87. Seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did not see this one. I, okay. So I saw the very first one when I was, when I was young, but in the, in the eighties, you get, you watch what you can get your hands on. And so I went from watching this movie to watching the fourth movie. Okay. And the fourth movie remains to be my favorite of the sequels to this day for a multitude (laughs) of reasons. (laughs) But I watched the fourth one, didn't realize that it was like a direct sequel to three. And so then when I finally watched three, I was so confused uh, because <laughs> first of all, Tuesday night is, is Kristen in my young mile in my young mind, because she plays Kristen in four. Uh-huh. And so then I mm-hmm. see this one and it's, and it's Patricia Arquette. And I'm like, who are you? I know your mom because she says, Andale, <laughs> Andale in the fourth one, a whole lot. <laughs> so I just, oh I know. My God. So I know that that's your mom, but who are you? Because you are not Kristen. (laughs) And so it was like this really weird experience of watching the fourth one and then watching and not realizing that it was, again, a direct sequel to this and then finally watching this one. And I have some very specific memories of seeing this as a kid. I remember trying to self-hypnotize myself in those hypnosis scenes, (laughs) never being able to, but like. Okay, I'm gonna stare (laughs) at it. This time, this time I'm gonna get hypnotized. Never was able to. (laughs) I love that. I remember trying the the spoonful of instant coffee with uh with the soda. Can confirm it tastes like shit. (sighs) Oh,
3: (laughs) I kind of want to try that, but no, I'm good. (laughs) It was (laughs) not
2: good. I remember that in particular. Like it's just like your face, like just like it's so bitter that it just like just closes up, and it was not good. But I tried it because my girl, Kristen, was doing it. And I was like, ooh, this is... I gotta do this. Uh, This is... Okay, so I'm curious what your guys' favorites are. And maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. But this is not my favorite of the movies.
0: (laughs) No! no. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Well... you're wrong <sighs> uh, that's, that's heartbreaking not, that's but, not this you know. isn't
2: a good movie I, do, I, like, <laughs> I like every single Nightmare on Elm Street movie even 5 which I think is abysmal as hell we're not like counting them. the remake right oh that okay, is where a we trip. do not say in this house <laughs> there is no remake absolutely stinky mm-hmm. stinky
0: stinky
2: okay <laughs> but this is I, I, I still I think, I think 4 is a much better <laughs> movie
0: um Hmm. I know. Yeah, I'm the minority. I don't, know about, I don't know about all that. I, I
3: will say, as m- I I won't agree to that, but I will say Alice was a badass character. Alice, my favorite final girl. Yeah. I I mean, Alice like that's what sells for and is able to keep me entertained in five
2: is Alice. She's awesome. Yeah. She's the best final girl. She's- I'm sorry. She is.
3: I, uh, ooh, I won't agree to that one. <laughs> <But> <laughs> know, she's not up there for she me. Well, but she's my <laughs> favorite. She, is she my is, favorite. She's definitely up there just because I really enjoyed the um, progression we just saw of her character. Yes.
2: Well, <laughs> this is not a Dream Master podcast episode. I know. <laughs> but, but I will say that I do think 4 is a queer episode. A queer uh, movie in
0: it. A queer episode?
2: queer episode. A queer movie in the (laughs) franchise. Okay. And I love that she goes from being this, like, mousy character to being an absolute badass who's in control of her sexuality and her identity by the end of the film. Oh,
3: I like that. Still not going to make me like it
2: over three, but I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Because she goes through and she takes all the best things about every gender mm-hmm. all of her friends, and she explores gender through all of her friends and all of and her brother and everyone that gives her powers and she becomes a full-fledged person by the end of the movie. So I think four is a superior movie in that regard. But moving on, one thing that I did do as a kid, I played the video game. I don't know if you guys ever knew there was a video yes! game
0: on NES.
2: <laughs> yes. I did
0: not know yes. there was a video game. <laughs> oh my there God, was I a Nightmare on
2: Elm Street video game on on NES. And it uh, it's uh basically kind of takes from this story. You have the waking world, and then if you fall asleep in the waking world, you take on some of the powers of some of the characters in this. My favorite, ironically for me, because I don't like is... I think... Well, okay, we'll get to that. I'm not a huge fan of Will. <laughs> of Will's... uh Dream character, but he was my favorite to play in the game because he could shoot fireballs and stuff and stay away from enemies.
3: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I forgot. I, gosh, I
2: haven't played that game in like. Obviously, ages, but I watched a YouTube playthrough of it, and I was like, "Oh my god, this brings me so much back! This brings me (laughs) so back to it." Because the idea is you have to go find the bones of Freddy and Mm -hmm. and put them together and finally vanquish him. So it's basically the the plot of this movie, but pretty much. I'm trying to think
3: when this came out now, but you know, I I remember when the video game came out, and I just, gosh, it's still like. Actually, I just remember growing up and, like, still, you know, watching these movies and you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And then you see these video games because there's also the Friday the 13th video game. And it's just like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, and now you you see games like that and it'd be like, oh, rated M. We were playing it all on the NES back in the day.
2: <laughs> yeah, we were stalking Jason and, and trying to, like, stay away from him from in the houses. And we were fighting Freddy with fireballs. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh that warms my nerd heart it just like <laughs> takes me okay. back so what are the reasons that i don't think this movie is is as superior Ooh. as a lot of people do i i say that and this is probably like my third i would say third favorite movie of the franchise but i don't think it's one four and then three it it just is that's the way it's gonna be for <sighs> me for this boy okay um what I think this movie does incredibly well, and I realized I was trying to think why this movie never really connected with me as much as it did with a lot of people who consider it either the best or the second best Night of Gnome Street movie in the franchise, is that it does a very fantastic job of creating all this trauma and being very grounded and presenting these fantastic characters that are grappling with a whole lot of shit. It's when it goes into the dream world, particularly in the in the the final act, that everyone is becoming like fantastical. That I think it kind of steps away from being this really interesting mediation on mental health and all that, and trauma, and teens versus adults and that kind of stuff, and gets a little campy. And it's that that change that I just it never it never set with me because at least at least four is. What you see in the beginning is what you're going to get by the end of the movie. And yes, it probably is not as thematically interesting as this film is. But by the time this movie goes from being very... We're talking real life and death situations. The, The nurse coming in trying to sedate people. The screaming. The fighting. The people that are dealing with thoughts of suicide. The people that are... All the deaths are ruled as suicide. Like, it is very human, grounded, authentic type stuff that we're dealing with. And by the time we get to the finale, it's just like... We have a wizard shooting lightning bolts. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's as much as he's my favorite character. And as much as that probably would be my he's special your power favorite
1: character.
2: No, he's my least favorite character. Oh, le- oh okay. No, That's least right, favorite. He did say that. Okay. <laughs> least favorite. No, although I will say that that if, if I were to, I was thinking, and I'm, I'm curious what your guys' entry entries are, but like, if I had to have a dream power, it probably, I would probably turn into a wizard because that is what I, I fantasized about as a kid. However, I do think that that becomes incredibly campy, and it kind of takes away, from me, everything that was built up to that moment. (sighs) Okay, well, I'm going to counter some of that, because think about, you know,
3: one of my favorite things that I did, you know, that I loved about this is, in the dream world, you know, the fact that we can be whoever, whatever we want to be, our dreams are somewhat camp, though, at times, like... Vibrant colors, things that shouldn't exist. And so I will say yes, because the whole, you know, well, me, when he's like, I'm the wizard master, I'm like, oh my God, DD, a man after my own heart. I mean, you know, even though, yeah, he's probably the worst. Um, but I just, there's something about that that I, I enjoyed because part of, you know, when you're going up against freddie is you want to be the best that you can be. And in their mind, this, this is that and so i, I kind of actually even though i think as death kind of that whole wheelchair thing that was interesting which i get yes but i it, the design looked hokey i guess but i i don't know i i loved that camp what i hated that damn skeleton why is that skeleton no
1: I that doctor and that
3: skeleton.
2: I was like, I'm not of this. Absolutely not. See, that worked <laughs> for you because it's Harry Howson. <laughs> like, it's like stop motion. I was like, this is Jason and the Argonauts. This is, you know, Clash of the Titans. So, it was, it, for me, it, it, that part really <laughs> worked. <laughs> the thing I'll say about Will is that his cape, it reminds me, I don't know, I, I, I always. Go to 30 Rock. There is a character in 30 Rock who is Liz Lemon's lawyer. And he he's like this young... He looks like a young kid. He looks like he's barely out of high school and he's her lawyer. But he wears like this suit that is like 10 times too big for him. So it just sort of hangs on him and it makes him look even more childish. When he goes into the, into the, the magical, the dream world and he wears that cape. I'm like, couldn't they have found a cape that actually fits him? Because it's just like... <laughs> Dwarfing him, and he's just like I'm a magician, but my cape is like twenty times my size. I,
3: I get it's funny because now I, I, I can think of so many different anime references where like they have capes like that, and so that's why I'm like that's not really out of the realm. But what's going to probably like get some his I've not I've not watched really thirty rocks, so I I know the characters, but
2: I don't know that lawyer. So now I'm like I'm going to have to look this up. <laughs> Just Google uh 30 Rock and then Simon what is his name? Simon Barons, Barrons, B A R R O N S. Google I'll him check and out. you'll see him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mary Beth, you saw this you saw this what, two years ago? For the first time?
0: Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, and I I've talked about this a million times before, but like I was on a franchise girly. I didn't think it was necessary to watch the other movies and franchises. Like I kind of grew up with a with a parent who was like, it's not worth seeing any of the other, like any of the franchise like entries, just stick with the original ones. And so I hadn't seen a lot of, I've seen, like, you know, I had seen the OGs, but I hadn't seen all of them because I was okay. kind of just like under the impression that, you know, the third, fourth, fifth movies are terrible. And while sometimes they are, sometimes they're <laughs> not. And sometimes they're really fun. And so I. Bought all of them on DVD and marathoned them. I think it was the height of of pandemic summer where there was nothing to do but catch up with. That was also the year that for my birthday, I watched all of the Paranormal Activity movies and got really high all day. And that was my birthday that year. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was was what the pandemic was for me. A lot of catching up (laughs) on franchises and smoking a lot of weed. (laughs) i'm glad for it had a great time but but, but paranormal activity oh i love paranormal activity
3: i do too but i don't know if i could marathon that that's dedication
0: oh yeah i wasn't fucking around that's my birthday i was like (laughs) i can't do anything fun for my birthday so i'm just gonna watch this is my fun and it was great
3: i just saw actually paranormal activity i just have now seen um, this series, just as of recent, um, as of last year,
2: we have a uh, an audio commentary. now I have to plug ourselves on the original. It's over there somewhere, in my head. I cannot. <laughs> I am terrible not at really here. Yeah. bring a camera, <laughs> but we have an audio commentary on one of the Blu-rays. We love Paranormal Activity around here. I the first one for me. The rest of them. I much, wish but... I
3: would have saw the first one in theaters. I really wish the experience. Wish I yeah. would have, um, and I am still kicking myself because after I watched it. I was like, oh, okay. Yep. Now I see why people love this. I was like, man, to have been in the theater and have watched this. It's like, damn. That was a perfect
2: movie going experience in the theater. But, but Mary Beth, I am curious because, like, in our notes, you did say that your jaw dropped watching this one multiple times. At what moments are, like, the big ones that, like, really got you? Uh,
0: Well, number one is. Oh. vain ventriloquist boy or vain puppet boy
2: oh god um, what heartbreaking
0: all of them watching that and pounding clever. on the window like them all pounding on the windows and like trying to get help and nothing happens and you're just watching it happen and it's just like the most helpless moment of them wanting to help their friend who is like enduring this horrendous death and i was like Good lord! Like the first movie is obviously intense, but this one like takes creative kills to another level in terms of cruelty to Mm -hmm. young people. I mean, like the veins, and then the veins, and then the needle, the needles were the two Mm -hmm. that like really stood out. And also, but also the TV and slamming her head into the TV. Like while it's got it's kind of comedic in a way, it's also just like so violent and so. You can't. You don't. You're not like they don't let you look away, and the practical effects are incredible, and it's just jaw dropping in the cruelty and the creativity of it all. I think, and it's still it just how well it stands up. I mean, it's Mm 1987, but it still is just like, oh my god, (laughs) like that's the most upsetting thing I've ever seen. Oh, that little (laughs) like
3: Freddy puppet doll, like with the claymation and all. Yes.
0: Oh my (sighs) god.
3: I want to own one of those.
2: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but I, I do think Philip's death is is probably the most horrific of the series in terms yeah. of like how graphic, gory, and mean it is. Yeah, that is brutal. I mean, there's some really gross uh, deaths. I'm thinking like in four with the bug death and all of that. Like there are some, there are some gnarly moments, but like Philip's death is the most horrifying. I mean,
3: at, with the and just how, like, even when they show the veins, too.
0: Yeah.
2: It's the one where you see his foot. And it's, like, out of it. And it's almost like, you almost just want to, like, can you just pull it a little bit further and get it out? Because it's, like, right there. And it's so... And his face, that smile when he gets out of the bed, and he has, like, this horrific smile Mm -hmm. just plastered on his face. But I'm sorry, Mary Beth, I interrupted you.
0: I was going to say, like, because of, like, the they're in a psychiatric hospital and you have this like self-harm imagery going on mm-hmm. with this, this whole like with that and, and with the, um, the needle death as well. There's a lot of mm-hmm. like self-harm imagery here that it's one really easy for you to just say, Oh, they killed themselves. Like they're just crazy kids. And it's very easy to like, to, you know, push it off. And then mm-hmm. it's just, and then two, it's just, you know, you're getting that imagery over and over again, especially if like you yourself have had, mental health issues and also in terms of I have OCD and this has a lot of like we, it's kind of made me think about intrusive thoughts and physical harm and like how these Freddy is the manifestation of them like coming to life and you're like fuck these are just supposed to exist in my brain but they're actually happening and it's just like incredibly that and that was something I wasn't expecting to really like confront hmm. um like intrusive thoughts watching this movie and I thought about it more the second time I watched it and how it really kind of hits that like personal scare point for me as well. Wow. Well, and
2: it's also the, I, I, I'm trying to think, I think it's the first one. Cause I don't think one or two did this where Freddie kind of turns your joys against yourself or like things <laughs> oh, about yeah, against you because right. like, because, and that, again, that's a good visual representation of, of depression where the things that, you know, bring you joy, like making the puppets and that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a little iffy when it comes to tear in situation, but like, the idea that these things he uses against you and ultimately kills you with like you know the the wheelchair for will being like his his way to get around and it's mm-hmm. what slashes him and turns against him it's the the puppetry it's um joey's horniness
1: <laughs> like, oh <it's>...
2: joey <laughs> <laughs> okay what happened to his little teardrop tattoo that was in <laughs> one scene when he's introduced, and is no longer there.
3: I um I felt like it was
2: like maybe marker. I I don't know. I can't really defend that too much. <laughs> I, I, I never really noticed it before, but I was on this watch, and I was like, first of all, I was like, oh, he has a teardrop tattoo or something, and then it's gone, and it's never addressed. It's <laughs> never brought up, and I was like, what happened to that? <laughs> huh. I am now gonna have to rewatch it.
1: (laughs) Well about that. What
2: a what a lovable goof. I love Joey. I love him even more in the in the sequel, even though he's not in it very much. But him and his his horn dog ways, he's just (laughs) trying to get with that hot nurse. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. And Freddy catfishes him. Oh yes. (laughs) Freddy's a big catfish.
0: It's true. Mm.
2: We got to talk about Amanda Kruger Mm. and how this movie gives a backstory for Freddie that is interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amanda Kruger gets stuck in a criminally insane institution for a weekend and is raped hundreds of times. Yep. Yep. And Freddy is the, quote-unquote, bastard son of a thousand maniacs. Yep. That's a that choice.
0: Fine. I think that's fine. <laughs> I think that's fine. I don't really know what you're talking about. Like, it not <sighs> cool. Totally
3: yeah, cool. I don't know if that backstory was needed. <sighs> it was... It was a choice. Yeah. It's... But
0: it's also... Like that doesn't these, hold up. <laughs> I just, like, one of those things that I think that frustrates me with movies like this. And, like... Not even these movies, movies like franchises where it's like you have to have the most horrendous thing happen to the mother and that's what makes the kid evil so somehow the blame becomes on the mom or like her trauma is what causes this kid to be this way and it's always like the mom's fucking fault even though like here obviously you know she was raped and it wasn't her fault but there's still that weird like there still is like an air of blame put on her of being put in that situation and like her kid turning out that way and it's just always like but why does women's trauma have to be the spawn of all this shit? Like, that's just always a frustrating thing in horror to me, where it's like, the woman goes through trauma and makes a monster. And it's like, well, I guess. I guess.
3: (laughs) It was was something else. I, I can't say that was my... Favorite part in the film.
2: At least it's not five where we get like a, a sort of recreation of that event.
0: Oh my god, <laughs>
2: that was a bad idea. That was now that was a choice.
0: <laughs> Wasn't there like a baby Freddie in that one too? Am I Mister? Yeah. remembering that. Alice's,
2: okay. Alice's baby was going to become yeah. the rebirth yeah. of Freddy and the baby was having nightmares, and that's. <laughs> yay, yeah,
1: yeah. First
3: yay, off, yay. Why didn't th- Why didn't you get the fuck out of town? I'm just saying. Why would you, girl? S- Don't get me wrong. Dan was hot, but oh, Dan, you took it like, get the fuck out, <laughs> like,
2: bye. <laughs> Dan and and Alice's brother, whose name is escaping me for a moment, those were like the two epitomes of of sexuality for me as a kid growing up. <laughs> it's like preppy boy Dan. Culturally, I like looking back on it now. It's a little cringy. Culturally appropriating <laughs> brother, but he's a punk, and he's like, you know, it's like those those two. Like, he's a badass with with spiky hair and Christian Slater wannabe, and then and then Dan, Dan, preppy boy. Mm.
3: I, um, I actually, I don't have them anymore, but I remember when they came out with a Nightmare on Elm Street comic series, and it was just, oh. like, as graphic as the films. It was very, really? like, oh, they were so gory, and I loved it. But um Alice and Dan made an appearance. <laughs> it was very interesting.
0: I'm going to go back to Amanda Kruger super quick. Mm-hmm. Um, who just keeps hordes of horrific criminals locked up in a giant room? that's it that's all like. <laughs> like that looked like that's a silo right I just like who was just like yeah right like, this sounds like some a good
2: ma- idea
3: I
0: supply of maniacs and then she gets lo- why was she I, even I, allowed I, in there uh, so many questions about all of that <laughs> lack um, security but yeah, I just had to just think, it's just that, was just percolating in my brain. I'm just like, wow, at least things are better than that. Hopefully, there are just people <laughs> milling about in a giant-
2: <laughs> One giant
0: room. Giant room of criminals, violent criminals. Anyway. The just- one thing I
2: also will say that on a rewatch that this movie does incredibly well, that I that I think is a continuation of the first one, is the way it plays with what's reality and what's dreams. The Mm -hmm. from the opening scene where Kristen goes to, you know, the the Freddy house and then she thinks that she wakes up and she goes in the bathroom and it turns out that she's not she's not woken up and the sink attacks her that moment or the times where like there's there's a plenty of times where they fall asleep from hypnotism and then they think that they oh, it didn't work. But they're actually in the dream like those moments of it reminds me of the first one where it's like it bleeds the sort of fantasy and with with reality Mm -hmm. to the point that like. Am I dreaming? Are we awake? Are we actually really safe right now? Or am I still stuck in the dream? I think this movie does incredibly well that none of the other sequels does.
0: Well, and it like it it gives into that, it ramps up that paranoia and that anxiety mm-hmm. of just like, you don't know where the fuck you are at any given moment. And I think the first one does that well with Nancy, but this one has it yeah. a, a whole group of people who are mm-hmm. experiencing this like same scenario, and it's just horrific where you none of you know where you are at any given moment and like if it's real and if it's not think something horrible is gonna happen and it just makes it all the more terrifying as um as it progresses and like i i have i mean everyone has had experience like the multi-level nightmare but i have them a lot and so this yeah. also freaked me the fuck out of just like uh, like that is a horrifying spot of like oh yeah this is totally i'm awake now and you're actually not like it's just a horrible feeling in the first place and then seeing it Ugh. played with by freddy krueger is so fucked up and mm-hmm. like thinking about someone who can delight in causing that kind of confusion is just downright evil
3: i think that's why i like freddy it's
2: terrible <laughs> but i do i he's a he, big old softy i I mean this is the one where he like gets into the, the quips and stuff right and it becomes a little bit more of more comedic than because he had a yeah. couple quips in the first one but they were like profane. This is god, yes. you know, that kind of stuff. Whereas is this is a little bit more dark humor, dark comedy type of type of quips. But we kind of touched on it, but I I think to to finish this out, I I want to focus on the tragedy of it all. That this is the movie in which Nancy and her father are murdered. And what a a fuck you when her father dies and he appears and you think, "Oh, it's a ghost." last moment saying goodbye and it turns out that it's freddie
0: oh, uh, and he stabs
2: her like how horrible oh that's still
0: pretty sucks
3: <laughs> <laughs> that gets me every time just because um the first time i didn't know any better but you know now i'm just like
1: <sighs>
3: well fuck but it, and it's done so well, and you've got Kristen then crying over her, saying she's gonna dream her a beautiful dream. Oh. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh my god, I was like, this is heartbreaking. I wasn't. I was happy though that it felt like, even though it really wasn't, that she got that resolution with her dad. But. Hmm. That was cruel. Well,
0: and again, like, this is coming out, and this is, like, in an era and, like, in horror franchises where you expect there to be, like, a quasi-happy ending and, like, the the good girl isn't like, gonna get got, and good girl got got. And it's <laughs> fucked up. It's fucked up. Know. Mm. I know.
3: I love the Nightmare franchise, and I will say, as we've talked about this, I would... Mm, I'm a ter- I'm so basic, but... Honestly, I'm always I'm always gonna go back to the original like that. E- even though this was my first experience to Freddy, there's just something about the very first one that I just thoroughly enjoy. Yeah. Um, and it's oh, but yeah, this would be so. My what's second. what's your
2: ranking of these of these films? Again, putting you right on that spot. Yeah,
3: I I okay. It's gonna be one.
2: Mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. seven okay
3: then four yeah. i seven and four can flip-flop from time to time um and then after that oh yeah then whew, i guess five because i still love alice two because i do love how it is basically queer and Freddy's dead is just a Well, bad all around, in my opinion. I'll still love it because it's Freddy, but I did not enjoy
2: Freddy's Dad. I was just like, really? Mm mm. What about you, Mary Beth?
0: Oh, you've done this to me like 600 times. I know Uh. I
2: did, but.
0: (laughs) Okay, so. I'm doing it again. Okay. I'm just reminding myself of everything real quick because. There's too many. She has
2: been watching it her entire life, like like I have.
0: No, I'm <laughs> Wait, Ill. I mean,
2: like, I, oh, gosh. It's so okay. Just...
0: One, mm-hmm. three, okay. four, okay. new nightmare, two, five, and six. Okay. Yes, that's my final
2: answer. <laughs> I'm not mad at it.
0: What's yours, Terry? One,
2: four, three, seven, six, two, five.
0: Okay, okay.
2: I think five is just it's boring. I'll be honest. I I went to go (laughs) see like a a marathon of them. Like, Oh geez. I don't even remember when it was. It was like four years ago, maybe. And so it was like literally up all, all seven of the originals. Fuck the remake. And it was like an all day affair. And I'll tell you, by the time we got to five, I was falling asleep. I'm like, this movie is so fucking boring and as terrible as I do think six is, I don't think it's a very great movie. It wasn't boring at least. It was yeah. silly. It was fun. I'll it, was, give you it, that. it was like a Looney Tunes co- cartoon brought to life. So for me, Fair. it was more fun than than Five was cuz Five I just thought was a turd. It was just so boring. I was so bored in that movie. There's some the gnarly kid. moments in it, but it's boring. They could have went
3: hard on that kid who got like with the comic book death scene.
2: Still oh, I know. Oh yeah.
3: Like I'm like the went too light film, on that.
2: But it's like <sighs> Mm-mm. <laughs> all right, so Itaka, watching this now as an adult, is it still, does it still scar you? Is it a still scar for life moment? Did it bring you back to being a kid? Mm, no,
1: okay. I, I just love it. I will yeah. say,
2: I it's, it's, it's something that I could just put on
3: and just enjoy myself. Like watching this, delighting in Freddy terrorizing all of them, even though like they're great characters. But I just, again... Freddy, as just this individual, is so charismatic that I just, I delight in seeing him on screen, so. Hell yeah. I I can't say I'm scared of any Nightmare on Elm Street
0: film anymore, sadly. Fair. Um, All right, so let's wrap this up and give uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors uh, a rating out of five. Terry, how many words just left my head? How many welcome-to-prime-time bitches out of five do you give Dream Warriors?
2: Okay. So I think this movie is a lot of fun. I do love the themes that it explores. I love the characters. I do think that as a whole, the group of characters here are probably the most well-rounded of any of the teens in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchises. I think that they're very lovable. They're very likable. The effects in this movie, I mean, we briefly touched on it from the snake, I think is still incredibly well done. Um, the I even I, I have a soft spot in my heart for for stop motion. And so the stop motion aspects of the puppet and even the skeletons you talk at the end, I think are are great. I think this this movie has a lot of great practical effects. Um, I think it's it was nice to see Nancy come back. It was nice to see your father, even though they did not have the happiest of endings. There's a lot going on here. I just, my biggest problem, my biggest stopping point, even trying to watch it as an adult, is when it goes full camp in the end after establishing <laughs> such emotional stakes. So, even that said, I do think this is.
1: That's a, a big one. sigh.
2: It's a one. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a, it's, it's, <laughs> it's. I don't know if I can give it four complete. I think it's like three point seven five. Like it's not a three point five, but I can't. I just can't give it a four. Welcome to primetime, bitches. For me, maybe uh, maybe it is a four. I don't. I don't know. Mary Beth, <laughs> just stop looking at me. Go stop perceiving me. How many? Welcome to primetime, bitches. For you, Mary Beth. Well,
0: I give it four. <laughs> I give this one four. I mean, you you said it all, but. I think this movie is so mean and so good and does a really amazing job of expanding the emotional stakes of the movie, um, and kind of showing us the effects of Freddie spread across even more people and not just one, one girl, but a group of teenagers plus Nancy. And it brings in the final girl, like the trauma, the traumatized final girl aspect so well. And it's heartbreaking and sad and traumatizing. And I think it's just like an incredible entry into a series that I love, but also can be very silly. And I think this one really balances that. It's like on the cusp of like this, the more the silliness of Freddie. And I think it balances that really well. And it's just, it's a damn good, sad time. So Itaka, you talk, <laughs> you have a final word. How put that on welcome- the
2: poster. I'm sorry, but put <laughs> that on the fucking poster. A damn good, sad time. <laughs> And this
3: is out of how many? Out of five?
0: Out of five. Oh, well, I
3: I, I don't want to be basic and say five, because there are some things I would nitpick. But I will say, you know, it's one that I I know I've seen probably at least over, at least over a hundred times. It's just something that, you know, growing up terrified the hell out of me, but I still Mm -hmm. enjoyed it. As an adult, it has just this high rewatch factor, um, because as you said, I think the characters, this is just a great cast. Yeah, and yeah. you really just get to also see, it was, you know, as an adult, I will also say it was just so great seeing that Nancy come back and be, you know, a little bit more hardened. Um, but then you have, as you said, Kristen, badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so much. Oh God, it's just... This brings me back to my childhood, which is terrible, because it's more of that I love the fact that I'm thinking about all the films that I've seen, um, that just take me back, and this is so... I will give this one, and also again, uh, Philip's Death. That is so... ah So Uh. cruel, but so good! Yeah. Um... I would, I would say a four, four and a half, because I, I do. I... I could easily put this on... or if it were to ever to come on TV at any point in time if i just you know turned on maybe halfway through i'd sit and finish the you know i i love this film so it's not it's not a perfect but it's it's damn near what close is, for me
2: there you go oh i could tell you several films but maybe not horror though <laughs> so <laughs> uh, well thank you so much for joining us to talk about and i street three dream warriors where can our listeners find you and what do you have coming up you can plug
3: <laughs> well they could um find us uh at the horror Hour tv that's all of our handles on twitter and instagram and on youtube um you I mean, we're just messy on youtube so just go check that out if you want to have a good time yeah um, but honestly we've got a few interviews coming up um We'll be chatting with Duncan Birmingham for Who Invited Them. And um, then we do have Sylvia um, Kaminer for Follow Her. And then um, just we, we just... It's, it's terrible. I've got a backlog of interviews that we have to actually post. But we've also... What I'm not used to is this whole thing called Embargo. So I well, have bias. to hold off on holding all of this. Um, so we... And I think we do have one with Andrew Siemens from Resurrection. So oh, cool. yeah, that's oh, yeah. that's what we have, and we have some in the works for maybe some future Shutter um, films as well.
2: And your personal out. Twitter account?
3: Oh, <laughs> okay. So that is um, it looks like Osaka, which is funny because it's almost so close to Osaka. If you, but really, it's actually <laughs> um, a Japanese anime backwards so you oh. you hockey show so i was like oh and as i say this now i'm thinking oh nobody's ever gonna have that handle i i will say at least on most of mine that's been my handle and i've never had to add like an underscore or a number so i'm very happy about that so don't fuck that up people <laughs>
2: yeah um, people
3: <laughs> but yeah that's where that's where they can find me and um, our podcast and we're just yeah a silly group of people hell yeah
0: Awesome. So listeners, you've heard from us, but so we want to hear from you. What was your experience with A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors? Send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com Or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at McAndrews. And
2: I'm at Dreadful.
0: And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scar Podcast.
2: And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe.
0: Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.